Good morning, Sunrise family. Pastor Dennis here. Welcome everybody that is going to be able to tune in this morning. So I will be broadcasting from home. Amy asked me, she said, hey, are you going to go in? Are you going to bring the sermon from the world headquarters? And uh, this is my desk in the basement, which I guess is the the world headquarters. (laughs) So whatever that means. Um, Baptism Professional Faith class starting uh, next week. And so please uh, sign up for that. We're really excited about um, what's going to go on there. Um, Also, be watching for your emails and other communications that are uh, going on and uh, and pertinent. If uh, you have uh, little ones or kiddos um, that you're worshiping with this morning, please be sure and check out the Sunrise Kids Facebook page where Julie has posted um, the the lesson and, and things that go along with that this morning. So, okay. So today we're going to be starting our series. Oh. Yeah, one other thing. Uh, on the app and um, uh, via the website, uh, you can also uh, give uh, your your offerings and your gifts. So, yeah, so be, be aware of that. So today we're going to start our sermon series on Sabbath. And so for the next 12 weeks, we're going to be looking at the topic of Sabbath. And we're going to be looking at a variety of scripture passages and places uh, throughout um, the Old and the New Testament, talking about what it means uh, to participate in to celebrate Sabbath. And today we're going to start by looking in Genesis chapter one, verses thirty-one, uh, one thirty-one through two, three. And the title of today's message is "And It Was Very Good." And so um, today, as we start this first series of 2024, we're going to be attempting to begin to answer a few questions that hopefully we're going to unpack and and answer further over the next 12 weeks or so. Questions like, what is Sabbath? What is it? When should it be celebrated? How should Christians participate in it? Um, um, Why was it given? What's the purpose for which we we Sabbath, right? Jesus himself talked about the Sabbath being for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is it mean for us? Why is it a good gift to us? And then what does God long for us to experience through sacred times of rest? And I hope that as we investigate through the scriptures through these next several weeks, that that what we're able to, to see is that Sabbath is holy and the practice of Sabbath is essential. So, so don't, don't miss that, right? Sabbath is holy and the practice of Sabbath is essential. So to start our investigation, um, as you've probably picked up uh, from from the uh, title and, and, and our scripture passage today, uh, we're going to start our investigation um, where most stories begin, and that's at the, at the beginning. Um, and, and in our case, we're going to start specifically at the end of the beginning. So um, if you have uh, if you have a Bible, uh, they're handy. If you have your smartphone. Um, uh, go ahead and take a look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 31 through chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, God saw that all he had made, God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work 
And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. So a few quick observations as we begin to to jump into this passage and this topic as well. Um, so if you conduct a simple word search, and this is pretty easy uh, to do, uh, what you'll find is that the word work, at least in the NIV, okay, um, appears 356 times in various forms in the Old Testament. So the English word work, if you if you do a word search, and, and this is going to vary um, from translation to translation. So if you read in the, the, the ESV or the New American Standard or the King James or, or, or whatnot, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but you're, you're, what you're going to find is um, well over 300 times, 356 in the New International Version, um, the word work appears. Now, now, what isn't apparent to us in English is that this word work is used to translate seven different um, Hebrew words. And, and, and there's distinction between how these, these are used. And, and, and what may surprise some people is that as we look at all of these occurrences, 356 occurrences, seven different words that are used for work, um, when we look in the scriptures themselves, there, there are two things that, that pop out to me is that the first thing is that work is something that precedes the fall. Work is not a punishment. Work is a gift. And the second thing is that God himself is the first worker that we see in the scriptures, right? So God is the first worker and work precedes the fall. Not only though is God the first worker, he's also the first rester. Work being a good gift, it says that God rested from all of the work that he had been doing in creation. And so I want you to get this. God was the first worker. God is the first rester. Work precedes the fall, and it is a good gift and not a punishment. In Genesis chapter 2, 15, uh, we, we hear the Lord say this then to Adam, right? So God finishes all of his work, he, he rests, and then in chapter 1, we sort of have this closing of this scene, of this large um, work of creation that God has been doing, where he creates everything, he creates matter, then he gives it order, then he gives it function, right? There's all of these, there's this creation and refinement, creation and refinement, and we see all of this taking place. And then in chapter two, we go back and we recycle through, and and there's a, there is a second creation account that's given here that, if rightly understood, doesn't contradict the first, but gives us more information about the purpose that God has when he creates human beings, image bearers, our first parents, Adam and Eve. And in the second account, here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15, we see the Lord gives Adam some specific instructions, or, or actually the writer narrates what God is having to say um, to Adam. And the Lord God took the man, Genesis 2, 15, and put him in the garden of Eden, right? So the garden that God had planted at the east of Eden, right? This idea that in chapter 2, there's sort of these two 
functioning parts of the world. There's a garden that God has created and he has ordered it in the way that everything is supposed to be ordered and everything is at peace and everything is right and everything is just the way it's supposed to be. And then there's the wild that's out there. And the man is given this instruction to what work the garden and the implication is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it to take the garden, what he experiences in the garden, and take it to the wild. And so so God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Right? So the second worker that we see in the scriptures is us. Shewans. Those who have been made in God's image and who have been placed here with a purpose to represent God's rule and reign in this space. To work it and and and, and this uh, the, and this is very important and to take care of it. There's two different Hebrew words that are that are used here. And, and one of the things that I want to point out that we're going to cycle back to is that the word for work here is different than the word for work in uh, our previous passage, chapter one, thirty-one through two, three. And so I wonder. I wonder if we, we think about this, and let's, let's step back even further. So often we, we, we look at this and we're like, okay, yeah, God worked, we work. Um, God rested, right? He's going to command that we rest. Right? There's all of these, these things that are going on. It, this is embedded in the legal code of the nation of Israel, and, and, and it's even come down to us. So that this idea of taking a Sabbath or resting, as it were, was probably embedded in much of our upbringing within the church, where we would set aside a certain day not to mow the grass or do things or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but we have to, again, I think, take, take another step back and think about how this might have fallen on the ears of the first hearers. Right, so as Moses is is traipsing around the desert, right, he's bringing into um, uh, he's bringing into focus uh, God's uh, instruction here for the Israelites, and he's speaking to them. And again, the primary purpose is he's gotten them out of Egypt. God has gotten them out of Egypt, and now he's trying to get the Egypt out of out of them. And I wonder how these things would have fallen on the ears of our ancient. Israelite parents, what would they have, have heard? I, I wonder, honestly, how it's falling on the ears of some of us to think about God as a worker and, and then to really begin to think about his command to Adam and by extension humanity to work the garden, to work for this flourishing of being fruitful, multiplying, filling the earth, subdue it. Um, I wonder especially how it falls on the ears of some of us who honestly just don't like our job. Some of us who it is just we're in desperate need of a vacation or we work in a toxic work environment or we feel stuck because we, we haven't been able to, to make the career advancement. We feel, we feel just absolutely stonewalled in, in a dead-end job or, or, or how many of us maybe we feel enslaved to an employer that takes advantage of us but, but, but we're too fearful or, or, or we don't think we have the skills in order to, to, to expand. I, I wonder how how those of us who are in occupations that are slowly, little by little, crushing us physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, 
I wonder how, how some of us who, frankly, are having a hard time adjusting to, to retirement and we feel a loss of, of, of purpose and, and, and we don't feel like, right? And so, so, so there's all these things that compete. And, and oftentimes when we hear the word work, for some of us, it's, it's been an idol that we've raised up in our life, something that, that we've proven ourselves by. For others of us, it's not been something that we have seen as a, as an act of worship or, or a space of, of joy. And, and maybe if you find yourself in that, in that space this morning, if you're thinking, man, this is uh, this idea of, of work being something that precedes the fall, a good gift and not a punishment, man, Dennis, I just, I don't see it. Well, you're in good company because I, here's my guess. My guess is that the, the first hearers of this, they didn't feel like that work was a gift to them either because, well, they were slaves. You see, work was nothing but forced labor for them. And, and what Moses is, is talking about, what the writer here is talking about, isn't the kind of work that they have just been rescued from. It's, it's something different. It's not never-ending. It's not hard and cruel. It, it shouldn't be hopeless, right? Work in the economy of God. Is, is not something that that produces that is produced at the at the end of of a of a whip. It's not something that quite literally is meant to kill us day by day. It's it's something different, but it it can be because of the fall hard and all of those things. You see, Moses is is teaching the Israelites how to be sons and daughters of Abraham in this moment. And that one of the biggest things that they need to learn in this process is, right, one of the first things they need to do is that your God is God. Right? Your God has uh, is greater than the gods of Egypt. He has gotten you out of Egypt. He has rescued you. Right? He's given you all of these, these gifts. But, 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 but another thing is, is that your God is God and work, as you have known it, is not the good gift of work as God has created it and rest as you have been deprived of it is a good and necessary thing that God has given. And folks, I wonder how many of us need to learn those same couple of, of lessons is, is that both rest and work are in fact good gifts from God and therefore ought to be holy. Go, go back to Genesis 1 here here real quick. And, and, and there's just a, a few other just, and let's delve a little deeper in, into the language here, because I think that there are some really, really neat lessons that we can, we can learn. And so on the sixth day, we see that God had finished his work and he's standing back and he's seeing all of these done. That's the image that's being painted here. And, and, and quite literally, the, the, the Hebrew reads in such a way that it causes me just to create this image in my, in my mind is that, that, that literally God looks and he surveys and, and, and the Hebrew reads like this here, right? Hands held wide, looking at the creation that he's created here. Very good. God looks at the work that's been done and been accomplished, and, and then it moves on and says, thus, the heavens and the earth. 
the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, all of their vastness, everything that you see, everything that you don't see, everything that you will discover down the road, generations upon generations upon generations down the road, everything that is discoverable about this physical world, God created. And by the seventh day, he had finished or completed the work uh, Malacha is the, is the Hebrew here. Um, and, and this, this is going to be important here in just a second. Um, but he completed the Malacha that he had done. And so the seventh day he rested. The, the Hebrew word here is Shabbat. Right? How cool is that? And on the seventh day he Sabbathed. He Sabbathed from all of his malachah, and then God blessed the seventh day and set it apart, consecrated it as holy, because on it he Sabbathed. He Sabbathed from all of his malachah and creation, and of creating that he had done. Now, as we dig a little deeper into this, into this language, what we'll see is that this particular word, the malacha, the translated work, is only translated uh, as it relates to the work of God in, in Genesis. The only worker in this way, in this creative way, in this expansive way, in this, in this way where, 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 where there, things are as they should be between God and humans, Right? Creation that leads to peace, creation that leads to shalom, creation that leads to God looking at everything and saying, This, this is the way it ought to be. It's, a, it's only used of God in Genesis. But, but it's also used further in the scriptures, and it also gets very interesting there. Every time the word malacha appears in the rest of the Old Testament, it is used either for a work of God himself. God is working in a certain way. God is intervening. God is condescending, condescending, not an A, looking down at us, but coming down to where we are. He's accommodating himself to come to where we are, or it's used for work specifically for the Lord himself. When the Israelites were commissioned to build the sanctuary, that work is called Malacha. When Nehemiah was called to build the walls, Malacha. The building of the tabernacle, the building of the temple. The, when the artisans um, and the craftsmen, the specially skilled craftsmen, were hired to build the implements for temple worship, Malacha. The prohibition to work on the Sabbath. You see, there seems to be a real clear connection here, you guys, and I don't want us to get this, and I want us to understand this. Is that while work is a, is a perfectly fine English word to translate what is being talked about here, um, specifically, I think what we're seeing here is that the work that God does is a work that can't be corrupted in the same way that other work can be corrupted. It's a work of bringing peace. It's a work of bringing together. It's a work that closes the gap. It's a work that welcomes cre creature into the pre presence of creator. And, and again, I'm not going to, I don't want to be careful here because it's not a, right? This isn't church work. This is a pastoral work. 
it's not necessarily that. It's there is something that's taking place here that when God rested from all of the work that he had done in creating and putting things at peace and putting things the way it should have been, it's the work that when God steps back, he looks and he sees everything in all of its vast array and he says, yeah, this is the way things are supposed to be. Work is a good gift from God. And Sabbath, my friends, is a celebration of a job well done. Sabbath, the rest that God took, wasn't because he was tired. It wasn't because he just didn't have the energy to do anymore. I don't know. It, it, it wasn't that. It was, again, what is God teaching us through this? It's that even the creator God who does not grow weary, who does not grow weak, who does not need refreshment, who does not need rest, who cannot grow bigger or stronger or more powerful than he is. He rested as a means of celebrating a job well done and demonstrating that Sabbath and rest are a part of healthy life rhythms. It's a good gift that God has given to us. Genesis 2.15, if we look for, so the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden, uh, put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Now here's, this is really interesting too. Work, the work of human beings precedes the fall. Not only did God's work precede the fall, but the work of human beings precedes the fall. And this word in the Hebrew is not malacha. It's a different Hebrew word called avod. It's a work that is specifically human. But, but notice a couple things here is that even our work, work that, and let's just say that maybe it isn't the creative work. Maybe it isn't this idea of doing something that, that specifically the building of a sanctuary, the building of the walls of Jerusalem, the building of, of implements for temple worship, the, the construction of the tabernacle, the construction of the temple. But maybe it's not sacred work in that sense. Okay, we're not painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. We're not designing. Um, some kind of sacred implement or sacred space that the people of God are going to be gathering in. But just because we're not doing something like that doesn't mean that the work isn't sacred. No, this work also precedes the fall and God placed Adam in the garden to do this work, to work and to take care of it. This particular, the afod is, is translated in all kinds of ways. It, it, it's translated to serve or to worship, to work, to do, um, to subject oneself, to serve. Right? Do, do you get this? The afod is intentionally under, it's the work of creatures. It's the work of those who serve. It's the work of those who aren't the boss of, of, of anything. You see, and it's even from this work that when God establishes the Sabbath, when God says this is good and when God rests, he gives us a pattern to follow. And, and, and here's the thing. That I, that I want us to see is that even the work that we do that we might feel like is mundane and it could be anything. It could be the job that you write, the desk that you sit at by day. It could be the doing of the dishes. It could be um, going out and shoveling the neighbor's driveway today. Here's the thing, folks. So often we think of this big divide between sacred work and secular work. And many of us might look at this and say, see, even the Hebrew language uh, separates this sacred work from 
um, secular, but I don't think that's the case at all, because the reality is, is that both of these types of, of work, if you will, precede the fall, are gifts of God and can be seen as acts of service or worship. You see, the work that we're resting from, my friends, no matter what it is, is God honoring. It's a respite from something. It's not just a respite from something that has been, been brought about by, by sin. But it's a way of celebrating and bringing peace and celebrating the shalom of God in the worlds in which we inhabit. So work and rest, my friends, are holy pursuits. But somehow, I think that for many of us who were raised sort of in this, uh, with this Protestant work ethic, we, we have this idea that work is somehow, a, or uh, rest is somehow a vice, right? That if you just work harder, that if you just push harder, that if you just pull on idlers, that if you just pick up a second job, that if you just do all of these kinds of things, that somehow you're, you're going to be better off. But, but, but I think, again, we, we have a little bit of information from the text itself, because not only is the avod something that's pre-fall, right? We see it also permeating the rest of the Old Testament in post-fall work. And there's a really clear distinction between how it's translated and how it functions when it's functioning in a redeemed context and when it's functioning in a fallen context. So, so, so this means that, that the work, no matter how good or noble, can be corrupted and twisted into an idol. And we'll, we'll see this here in just a second, right? That avod, this good gift that God has given that's specifically for us to do as human image bearers, it can be twisted into an idol. It means that if we let it, this good gift of work, this avod, can be turned into a cruel master that will enslave us. It means that, that if we're not careful, we can wield work, this avod, against other people as a weapon that will oppress and enslave them. So our first parents were told to work and to take care of God's good creation. They were given this command, but when they sinned, they, they, they forfeited that and introduced all kinds of problems. Now, now here's another really interesting little factoid is this, this word, this shama'ir is, is translated to take care of. Um, it, it, it's listed a couple of different times in the first few chapters of, of Genesis. In the first, Adam and Eve are told to take care of the garden. Right. This is what they're told to do. But but the but the next time that it's mentioned is in the context of um, when they've sinned and they're expelled from the garden. And an angel is placed with a flaming sword to take care of the garden, to guard the tree which gives life. Boy, that's ironic, huh? is that a gift that's meant to give us life can be turned into something that slowly, little by little, kills us. And when Avod is done without Shabbat, that's exactly what it does.
and the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were they were participating in avod for the Egyptians as their slaves. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 5, we're, we're told that moreover I have heard the groanings, God says, of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are, and the word is enslaving in English, but the Hebrew word that's being translated there is afod. That the Egyptians are working to death with no rest or recourse. You see, avod without Shabbat is enslavement. But, right, it, there's all, all kinds of examples of this. We, we, see the, we see the word enslavement used over and over and over again in, in, in this part of, of the scriptures. Jeremiah talks about it in Jeremiah chapter 17, and it says, through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. This is Jeremiah prophesying to the children of Israel. And he says, I will enslave you to your enemies' abode. Why? Because there was something askew. There was something amiss. There was abode enslaves when it becomes a master as well. But in another really interesting sort of twist in, in the usage of this word, when, when Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, right? So God said, I will be with you and this will be a sign to you um, that it is I who have sent you, this is Exodus 3.12, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The word for worship? Aphod. And maybe that's maybe that's the thing, right? Is that that the gift is is meant to be used for the honor and the glory of God. That that work, whether we call it sacred work, whether we call it secular work, or whatever we call it, right, can be an act of worship. Is a part of image bearing. Is a part of fulfilling the destiny of our first calling to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And so, my friends, the maybe the key thing that I want us to walk away from today understanding and remembering is this, is the Sabbath just isn't a day off. It's something far greater than that, is that Sabbath isn't something that we can avoid forever, right? It's, 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 going, it's going to happen. It needs to happen. You, for a vote without Shabbat is an oppressor, is a slave master. That Sabbath is a sacred space of peace and rest. It's a place where, where the bringing together or the rectifying or the, the bridging or the, the repairing of that thing which sin has broken exists. Right? It's, not a, it's not a place where everything is perfect and everything goes away. But, 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 but here's the beauty of, of Sabbath is in Genesis chapter 1, Sabbath doesn't have an evening and a morning. Days one through six, evening and morning. But Sabbath, Sabbath is essentially the way things are supposed to be. God living in unity and shalom with his creation.
Sabbath is a world order as it should be. It's a, it's a time to remember that we are human beings, not human doings. It's a time to celebrate and to reflect on the beauty of a job well done. It's not a time to cram more into an already overly active life. It's a, it's a time to recline in the faithful arms of God, our creator and sustainer. It's, it's meant to free us from tyranny and urgency. It's meant to break the self-imposed chains of slavery. It's a time to come apart and to step away, to come into the desert, to the wilderness, to the closet, <laughs> to the Facebook, to the church house, to the small group, and worship the God who has rescued us from Egypt. Sabbath is a reminder that when God created things, he created things good. And he created them with purpose. And he created them in unity and harmony and relationship with his creatures. When we celebrate Sabbath, my friends, we purposely attempt to put back together in small, sometimes imperceptible ways, that which has been broken by sin. That's what Sabbath does. The Sabbath is trust. Trust that God is our provider. Sabbath is worship and dedication. And so, so this week it's, it's had me wondering a lot of things, but it's, but it's, but for one thing, it's, it's had me thinking about as we enter this season as a church family, maybe it's a call that God has for each and every one of us to do less for him and rest more in him. That no matter the, the importance of the work or the goodness of the work or the necessity of the work, there has to be a time where we come away and we rest in the Lord. This past weekend, I was able to uh, attend a conference that um, our, our friends from Haven of Mercy, it's a ministry here uh, in, in the Granville area, uh, put on, and they had invited my brother to, to come and be one of the keynote speakers. And so uh, Christopher spoke, and it was a, it was a conference about uh, domestic uh, violence and sexual abuse. And, and the, uh, the other keynote speaker was... Um, uh, a lady by the name of Rachel Denhollander. You probably have heard of her. Uh, she uh, got some national attention several years ago when uh, she was um, basically the first person to file charges against Larry Nasser. And uh, she was the, the young, dark-haired lady that made the closing statement. She was a, a victim, and uh, she made the last and closing uh, victim uh, statement against Larry Nasser before he was he was sentenced, and um, she is an advocate in this space. And I I was struck as I watched these two people kind of pour themselves out. But there were there were a couple there were two things this weekend that came up and, and are sort of pertinent to what we're saying here today that I want to I want to kind of kind of leave you with. I was struck um, at the Q and A at the end of the conferences as they were asking these questions, and and, and Christopher said something that just kind of. It resonated with me, and um, it's something that he and I have talked about, but I've never heard him say it publicly. 
is he, he, he simply said that um, he's talking about the importance of the work of standing in harm's way for abused and uh, the abused and disenfranchised. And um, he said that he, he, he really is afraid that, that this work with all of its stress and with all of its, um, all the pressures of it might put him in an early grave. But from his perspective, it's worth it because of what he's, he's able to do. I watched as Rachel spent everybody that wanted to talk to her, folks, every, every woman, every set of parents, every person that stood in line, she waited and she engaged and she talked to, and I watched her as lunch was getting cold yesterday, refused to leave for the sake of the hurting people that were, that were around her. I grew up in a home where uh, my grandfather was a small business owner. And one of the things that, that we knew growing up was that you grew up on a farm, you grow up where you're self-employed. Um, one of the things that Papa taught us was that, well, if you don't work, you don't eat. And I know that's true. I know that there are some of you that are probably sitting out there, and there are a couple of things that are going on. And maybe, maybe you're, you're you're looking at me, and saying, you know, Dennis, I would love to take a Sabbath, but I don't know how I can feed my family, and and do that. I would love to take an entire day off a week, but I just don't know how I can do that. Well, hopefully, during the rest of this sermon series, we're going to be able to talk about that and and see that that there are ways to to Sabbath that maybe maybe look a little bit differently, that, that we all are living in a sinful and a, and a fallen world. But, but here's what I would say that, um, even for those of us who, who are like Papa, where you, you don't work, you don't eat, there's a cost package to not resting. That's going to catch up. Maybe for those of us that are like Chris and Rachel, who feel that the, the work is so heavy and, and so important that we, we really struggle step back and to take um, Sabbath. Maybe maybe the work isn't about your survival, but it's about somebody else's survival. Well, I say the same thing. Work, no matter how necessary, without Sabbath. Will enslave and oppress. Work is a good gift. She is a terrible master. So maybe for some of you out there, you just need permission. Permission to rest. Permission to Sabbath. Permission to do what God himself did after he had finished creating the world in all of its vast array. My friends, because we are not human doings, we are human beings. So on this day, where it's snowing outside and it's cold, um, take this as a gift to rest in the Lord's presence, to be loved by Him, and to know that you're enough. All right. Thanks for spending these 40 so or so minutes with me. I hope to see you next Sunday. 
where we're going to be continuing to talk about what it means to Sabbath. Go in peace.